So we're beginning this new series called Idols, and as most of you guys know, I, uh, I don't pick my sermon series based upon uh, maybe what other churches might be doing. I don't, I don't pick my series based upon, you know, if I'm just so happen to be flipping through, you know, some, um, some graphics or cool graphics or, hey, that'll be a cool thing to talk about or whatever. Um, it, to me and to a lot of pastor friends, obviously, that I know, we, we really carry this with a lot of weight. Uh, the, behind this, behind this uh, stand right here, there's a lot of weight that comes with this position. And, and so um, I'm, I always go before the Lord and say, God, what do you want to tell our people? What do you want us to spend time talking about? And um, the idea of idols um, has been in my heart and mind for quite some time. And I probably should have talked about it sooner, but some other things uh, kept coming up, like, you know, some other uh, issues that came up in our culture, and I felt like we needed to take some time to talk about that. But the reason why idols, I believe, has been in my heart for so long is because I really feel like that I have an idolatry problem. And there's a really good chance you probably have an idolatry problem. Watching online, there's a good chance you probably have an idolatry problem. If there's anything that you may have moved in first place in your life, um, and, and I'm not talking on a, on a grand scale, I'm just talking about just simply application of, of time and, and also application of desire. If you desire something and that gets elevated to first place in your life, that is an idol. You know, many times we, we think of idols as these big, huge structures that people build and they, and they bow down to them. And yes, those are idols and, and those, were, uh, those were used in, all throughout Scripture. And there's various different types of idols uh, even the, the children of Israel, when they were held uh, captive in, in various countries throughout their history, they were in a pagan country where they were idols. God made it very, very clear uh, with the Israelites that um, you should uh, you know, have no other gods before me, and you should not bow down to the idols of your surrounding countries. In fact, you don't even need to marry, intermarry between um, you and people of surrounding pagan countries. Why? All because of idols. And the best of kings that we see in Scripture have all fallen down because of idolatry. So we're going to learn to, in this series, we're going to learn how to identify those in your life. This is going to be about a five-week series. And so we're going to identify some of those idols in your life and in my life and what are some practical steps to get rid of them in your life? And trust me, after you hear today's sermon, and as we, as we mosey on down this crazy road of 2020 that we're on, I'm ready to get off. I think we're lost. We made a wrong turn. Something has happened. But let me tell you, you cannot navigate the road of 2020 with the right kind of vision with idols in your life. Because let me tell you, it 
those idols will bring you down. Those idols will bring me down as well. The, um, the entire word of God is all about God connecting humanity with himself that was lost because of sin. You know, he chose to reveal his characteristic, his traits, his godly nature to mankind, and he chose to do it through a people group, to a family that started with Abraham. And so he made a, a covenant with Abraham, and through that, Abra- Abraham had many sons. Father Abraham had many sons. If you remember the song as a child, I'm not going to perform that for you right now. But you probably have heard a lot of those stories of the fact that Abraham, through the seed of Abraham, God chose a people group, a family, and that, that turned into a nation. Ultimately, that, that nation was, that family uh, moved to, to Egypt because of famines, and then they stayed there, and they grew into a mighty nation, and they were enslaved, and God freed them through his power and through a man called Moses, and then they went into the, 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 uh, the wilderness, and, and through that and, and the mountaintop experiences, Moses was able to hand the people God's instruction for life, and that is just simple, 10 simple commandments. Ten simple commandments that he wanted to give to people. Now, I say simple, but they're really, really difficult to keep. So, like, you know, if, if, if you've ever told a lie, I've, I've told a lie. If you've ever told a lie, raise your hand. Even online, raise your hand. And if you're not raising your hand, you're lying. And so, you, you and I have told lies, and, and you and I have broken... I mean, that's just one of the commandments. You and I have broken probably several commandments in our lifetime. Jesus even took the Ten Commandments to a whole other level, such as adultery. There may be people here right now or watching online. It's like, well, I mean, that's one, that's one sin I haven't really uh, broken. That, I mean, that one commandment I've not broken with my life. But Jesus said, you know, even if you, if you think about being with someone, an adulterous situation, then you have already committed adultery. Where? In your heart. And so these Ten Commandments were the, were the guidelines. And so it, it, immediately after receiving these Ten Commandments, almost immediately, the children of Israel, what did they do? They made an idol. They made an idol. And, and they already broke not the first commandment, but the first and second commandment. We see this in Exodus chapter 2. And just so you know, I'm going to be mainly in Nehemiah today. You can get your copy of God's Word and kind of find Nehemiah there somewhere in the middle of the Bible. And so Nehemiah, you turn to that. But in Exodus chapter 20, it says this in verse 3 and 4. You shall have no other gods before me. That's commandment number one. Commandment number two. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. So already, we're we're, we're talking about these commandments is all about idolatry. You should not worship anything. You should not put something in front of me to worship. And you should not make for yourself something to bow down. And so the... The Israelites, they, um, they, they had a history of moving back and forth to idolatry 
asking for forgiveness, to idolatry, asking for forgiveness. Through the, uh, after they, they conquered the land and they, and they moved into the promised land and they had uh, hundreds of years of, of judges ruling them before, before the kingdom was established, you had uh, many years of, of people going into idolatry and then you had the, the surrounding countries coming in and invading them out of just God, God's hand, God allowing it, God moving his hand of protection to allow other countries, pagan countries, to come in and to invade. Why? Idolatry. Then they asked for forgiveness. They got their hearts right. A new generation was born. And guess what? Idolatry. And then it didn't stop there whenever the kings were established. When you had King, uh, King Saul, and then, and then obviously you had David. And of course, David didn't stand for those kinds of things. And then you had Solomon. Solomon was a very wise man, but eventually he, his heart went into idolatry. Why? Because he married in, into uh, other women from other pagan countries. And so, basically, God said, all right, I've had enough. You ever get to a point where you tell your kids, I've had it up to here? <laughs> My mom would say that all the time. I've had it up to here, you know. And, and I catch myself saying the same thing. We've had it up to here. We're done. And so, there's some sort of nuclear thing that happens within the family you know, you're, you're, you're exiled to your room for the next month. But we get to the point to where we've had enough. God got to the point to where he had had enough. He's like, all right, you're being exiled to another country for years, like 70 years, many years. And, and it's not like that. The Israelites didn't have men of God who, who didn't warn them of that. Of course he did. He had men and prophets telling the Israelites, look, God is going to bring you into exile, into captivity if you don't get your life right. If you don't tear down these idols, if you stop worshiping other gods. They wouldn't listen. So they were exiled. And so the children of Israel... They're, they're exiled. And so after about 70 years, they're able to, uh, to come back just because of things that were happening in the, in the kingdom that, that, had, that had captured them in different leadership and different authorities. But today, what I want us to look at is I want us to look at, and I'm going to use this word even though I talked about um, this series, in my last series, we're going to look at the aftermath of idol worship and what it looks like. Because you and I, I do believe that here in the United States, now obviously it's across the entire world, but let's just focus on the United States. Let's just kind of narrow in our glimpse to our country right now. Our country has had years of idolatry, where we have put things ahead of God, and we have, we have taken, taken the credit for that, even though God has blessed us. I, I'm just going to give you one. 
finances, money, wealth. We have, as a country, and I know you may not have done this individually, but I'm just talking about as a country. We have pat ourselves on the back for all of the jobs that we have created, okay, and all of the things and all the stock market and everything. And, and, and it's great to know that at least that was done. And I do believe that God had definitely had a part in that because thank God we're at this point and because if not, then we would really be bad off. But it has disturbed me to see various leadership positions. And I'm not talking about just from the very, very top. Different leadership positions say, you know, look what we've done. Look at the jobs we've created. Look at, you know, look at the economy. Look at the stock market. Look at this stuff we have done. And we have not, as a nation, as a whole, said it's because of the grace of God. It's by God we've done that. He has done that through us. And we give God the glory and honor. I believe that wealth is an idol. Absolutely. And so we worship the wealth. We worship, I mean, there's, there's literally a, you know, a, a big statue of a bull on Wall Street. <laughs> I've seen it. It's pretty impressive. And I'm not saying people bow down to that object. No. And, and do, do I mean that we should not be, you know, investing in No, I'm not saying that at all. I, I, I'm not saying that we, we, should, um, we should not be playing the stock market or, or, or anything. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is this. When, when good things happen, when the blessings come and we take all of that ourselves and we don't give glory to God... That is an idol. Are you tracking with me? Okay, online. Check your head, yes, online. Great. So do you understand? That is just one example. And so because of this, we have had some idolatry here. And that's just one example. Idolatry here in the United States. And I believe that we are on track for some judgment. I do. I believe that there's some things that we have been facing that is a judgment. I believe that the, 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 the racial unrest and the, and, the, and the mistakes that we as a country has, have made in the past in regards to slavery, I think that is coming in the form of, of, a, of a judgment. Now, do I agree in the, in the way people are, are rioting? No. Is it godly? No. But I do believe, just like the children of Israel, God can take his hand of protection and say, hmm, I'm going to allow this to come through. I'm going to allow this to come through. Church, it's all over Scripture. <laughs> it is. And so, I want us again today to look at 
sort of a final scene of idolatry. Sort of what happens. It's kind of like a movie. Um, you may have seen movies like this to where they show you the ending scene and it's like, you know, destruction and chaos. And you're like, whoa, that's amazing. And then they say, you know, five years later you know, five years earlier or whatever. And they take you to the beginning of how it started. And so you know how it's, how, where we're going well, before we start with some of the, uh, the idols in our life, I want us to look at where we could be going and where I think we're already on track for that. And there's one particular story that I'm going to use in, uh, in God's Word and um, to, to help us with this. Because after the children of Israel were exiled. And after about 70 years, they started to come back, and, and there was a remnant that stayed there in, in, in Jerusalem. But they were allowed to come back, and they were allowed to start building the walls and building the temple, rebuilding those things and, and setting up. And, and, and so literally the final scene of, of the movie called the Old Testament happens in Nehemiah. And so Nehemiah, who was Nehemiah? We actually, did a, uh, we actually did a sermon series on Nehemiah, I think a couple of years ago, that Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king, the king of Persia, King Artaxerxes. And Nehemiah, he was troubled because he kept hearing reports about how Jerusalem was just lying ruins and the walls were, were just broken down. And it, and it saddened him. And so he, he was able to uh, just pray about it. And, and the Lord gave him courage to go before King Artaxerxes. And said, King, could, could you allow me to go and help maybe rebuild the walls? And he said, yes. Okay. Well, could you maybe supply some, some lumber from, your, from the king's forest, and could you maybe supply some, some workers and some people to kind of provide protection and, and then letters to get me safe passage through these different countries I've got to go through. And, and, and he gave, by the grace of God, he, the king, gave it to Nehemiah. Nehemiah went down to Jerusalem and, and connected with the exiles there, the, the remnant of people that were there, and he let them know, hey, I'm here, I've got supplies, we, I've got a letter of approval from the king, and we are going to rebuild the walls here in Jerusalem. And they did it in a little over 50 days. It's amazing. But it wasn't without a price, because throughout the time that Nehemiah was building, he had lots of resistance from other people, from people who lived around Jerusalem. Who, they, weren't, they weren't Hebrew. They weren't Jew. They were, they were there suppressing the people, the remnant of people that were living there, always putting them down and saying they're never going to be the country that they were. But Nehemiah said, hey, look, I've got a letter from the king right here. And so I'm here, and I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to bow. I'm not going to even uh, come down off this wall. I'm going to finish the job that God has called me to do. And so 
I believe, church, we are going to be in a position, and I believe we are in a position, as we are walking through the aftermath, the result of idolatry in our country. You and I are the Nehemiahs. You and I are the wall builders. Lake Point Church, we are, we are the wall builders here in this community, among other churches. The, the, the bride of Christ has the answers. And there's some, there's some things we're going to look at today, some specific things about Nehemiah and this story. But before I talk about those specific tasks, those specific things, I want to share with you a message that I believe that God is giving to us. Now, I'm going to let you know something. What I'm about to share with you, those who are sitting here, those who are sitting online, it's, um, I normally don't share this kind of stuff. I am, I'm a, I am kind of in nature a skeptic. Um, I, I'm not the one to, you know, um, believe in conspiracy theories. I, I'm not that kind of person. I'm more of a, hey, show me. Show me. Show me the proof. I believe if God wants to tell us something, he's going to speak it and he's going to confirm. And that's how he moves in my heart my whole life. And that's how he moves in, in the Bible. And so when God decides to speak and he confirms a message then I, I take heart and I listen. And I believe that God is asking me to share this, not only with Lake Point Church, but with the Bride of Christ. I understand that after this, today's message, there are going to be people watching online, United Members of Lake Point Church. You may have had this video passed to you from, from someone else, and that's fine. But I, I think this message, I believe this message is for the entire big C church, the bride of Christ. So, July second, um, I'd, I'd received a, a, I had a phone. Uh, yeah, I mean, a conversation with a family in our church. And this particular family in our church, they're they're well involved, they're members. And this particular family in our church, they shared with me that one of their uh, their little girl, she's elementary age. She, she had a dream. And so they shared with me this dream, and it was really kind of, a, kind of a nightmare, really frightened this particular girl. And so in this dream, she shared that there were images of a calendar flipping month to month. And... When it got to the month of November, it, it just didn't flip open. A fist ran through it, month of November. And it really frightened her. And she kept hearing this phrase over and over again. And, and at first, I didn't really remember it. And to be quite honest, I mean, I, I, I told the parents, I was like, you know, I, I'm going to pray for her because that's, that's, a, that's a really big, that's kind of a big dream for a, a little girl to have. 
And so I, I couldn't remember exactly what happened in the month of November. And I could remember the saying, but I just remember that this particular girl in our church um, had this nightmare dream. So that happened in the afternoon. Later on in the evening, I received a, uh, a message from one of my cousins. And he doesn't live anywhere near us. And he hardly ever sends me things. But my cousin sent me this, um, this video of this pastor in Kentucky. And his name is uh, Pastor Dana Coverstone. Now, you may have... You may have seen this particular video. It's, by, by now, it's kind of gone a little viral. So I was watching it, this video while I was kind of tinkering around with something in the house, and I just kind of set it off to the side. Again, I'm, I only watched it because my cousin sent it to me. And so I'm like, all right, I'll watch it. So it's kind of in the background. He talks about this calendar that's flipping. And I'm like... Hmm, that's interesting. And then he would, he would get to uh, maybe January, then February, then March. When he got to March, he would, the, the calendar, would, uh, the, there would be a hand that would draw underneath the, the month where it said March. And he would, the hand would tap the calendar three times. And then it went uh, to April, May, and June. And when it got to June... The hand would underline June and tap it three times. And, and this, particular, um, this particular pastor said he, he saw people wearing masks and people lining up in front of hospitals. And he saw people rioting in the streets, very clear. Now you may think, well, Frank, this pastor probably got that from watching it on the news. Well, the only thing is this pastor had this dream back in December of 2019. And he told his elders, like there's a whole other video that kind of has that accountability. He told his elders of, of this dream, and, and this pastor didn't go on to talk about this particular dream until obviously after March and the, and the, and the riots that were happening. And... Even then, he didn't go on to make a video on it until he had a second dream. This dream was not too long ago. It was around June 22nd. And so he had a second dream. In fact, in this dream, it was the same deal of this calendar flipping over, except it started with July. And the dream actually said part two. And so it, it went July August, September. When it got to September, guess what? The hand appeared again. Underlined September, tapped it three times. Got to October, November. When he got to November, he said a hand, a fist, thrust through the month of November. And he saw even more things. He saw uh, troops in, uh, from other countries. He saw lots of stuff. And so you can actually watch that. But the whole time in both dreams, he heard this phrase over and over again. Brace yourself. Brace yourself. When he 
shared that the fist went through November, I immediately stopped the video. I sent it to the family of the church, and I said, have you seen this? If not, you need to watch this. So they actually contacted me that night. We talked about it, and I said, my first question is this. Have you seen this video? They said, no. Has anyone in your family seen this video? No. Say, all right, I want you to do some research. I need you to ask if your family, an extension of your family, has seen this video whenever your daughter was around. And of course, you know, kids just aren't really hanging out with other people's houses right now. So it was actually pretty easy to to do the research. And, And they contacted me the next day and they said, you know, no one that we know of has seen this video. And they actually showed the first little bit of this video to their daughter. And they asked their daughter, have you seen this man? Have you seen this video? No, I have not. So it's no coincidence that on the same day, God would have a family in our church tell me about their little girl's dream. My cousin would send me a video of a pastor in Kentucky who's dreaming the same dream. And there's no coincidence. And it lines up. Not only does it line up with the fist going through November, but it's really interesting when you compare what the dream said. There was no other words going on in the dream with the pastor except for brace yourself. I asked the family, what did your daughter hear? Because I couldn't remember. And they said, she said, brace yourself. In fact, they have a recording of her talking about her dream. And she says, the voice in my dream said, brace yourself. Um, again, I'm not one to I wouldn't even come to you if I just got this dream from this little girl in our church. I'm sorry, I just wouldn't. I wouldn't come to you because some pastor in Kentucky had this dream. But when God speaks and gives the same dream, by the way, she, she saw things on fire as well. It was very traumatic for her. But when you have the same dream spoken to you on the same day from a little girl in your church and some remote pastor, it's not a coincidence. I believe God is speaking to us. I have reached out to Pastor Coverstone, and he and I are communicating. I actually sent him the video of this, of this girl and our church, and her explanation and her description of her dream. And so we are in communication on that. I'm not sure if there's other people who have received the dream, but to me, that's enough. And so I have been asking myself and God, what do I do with this? What do I do with this? Because I believe, according to the dream, something's coming in September. And I'm not here to tell you, I'm not here to bring fear into your life. Watching online. I'm not, that's not purpose today. 
But I do believe, based on the dreams, that there's something coming in September and definitely coming, something coming in November. And, of course, we all know what November is. Um, I believe God is showing us this beforehand and telling the church, brace yourself. So what do we do with that? I've been on the phone with people in our community and beyond, but specifically in our community. I, um, I like to talk to people who are kind of grounded in our area and who walk with the Lord. People that, um, I mean, I'm talking to people that uh, speak into my life and people that periodically they'll send me a text and they'll say, I believe that God has told me to tell you this. And, and it's not any kind of prophetic word. It's just more of a God is speaking to you. And it deals with exactly things I'm going through. So I know they, I know they have a close walking relationship with, with the Lord. So I have spoken with people, been on the phone with. In fact, I, I just got a text in the worship service today um, just and a word of encouragement. Hey, um, I'm praying for you from some of the people I'm talking to because they know I'm going to share this today. Um, the people that I've spoken with, they, they believe that, that this is legit, obviously, based upon the research we've done and, and the dreams. And so um, we, are, we are walking through carefully how we're going to respond. Now, am, am I here to tell you that you need to go buy a bunch of guns and buy a bunch of ammo? No. You can do that if you want. Okay? I know there's people in this room that already, already have that kind of stuff. Am I telling you to go buy an RV and, you know, just go move and, and be away? And I, I'm not saying that at all. Am I saying to, you know, offload all your stock and, and go buy gold and, and bury it in your backyard? No, I'm not saying that at all. I mean, if God leads you to do some of those kinds of things, then so be it. That's between you and the Lord. As a pastor and as a shepherd of Lake Point Church, and I feel like I'm also a shepherd, not just of Lake Point Church, but uh, one, of the, one of the shepherds of Barcha County. And I feel like that, um, that as a shepherd, uh, we need to look at this from a spiritual response. What are we going to do? And my heart has turned to the book of Nehemiah. And so I want us, before September and November happens, even before we finish the month of July, we're going to have a clear plan. But I do want to share with you some thoughts and some plans that we're already going to we're already going to implement as a church. So if you would, uh, in Nehemiah chapter 1 through 4, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 4, um, this is what is being called as the Nehemiah strategy. Because, see, Nehemiah has already been in the aftermath of idolatry with this country. And we're seeing that in the book of Nehemiah. I encourage you to read the whole book. It's really not that long. It's a really easy read. And so 
because Nehemiah is already there, I mean, I know that happened in the past, but, but in this story, he's there at the final chapter of, of, of his country living on idolatry. I don't know if we're approaching the final chapter. I think it would be great if Jesus would come back really soon. Pray, Lord Jesus, come. But I do think we are approaching a, a, an aftermath, a, a result of our country living in idolatry. And I do believe that the church, the church has been asleep for far too long. And I think this is a wake-up call to the bride of Christ. And I think as a church, we've had our own issues of idolatry. And so, what do we do with this? We see this in, um, in Nehemiah chapter 1. First of all, we see that Nehemiah fasted and prayed. Verse 4, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. What are we going to do? We're going to fast and pray. Um, I'm in the very early stages of, of, of creating and, and it's not going to be just me that's creating this, but a, a prayer guide and fasting guide for us as a church and, and, and really beyond. It's going to be something we're going to provide online. People can use it, use it on their phones. And so this prayer guide is going to walk with us on this journey. So we're going to do what Nehemiah did. In Nehemiah's strategy, we're going to fast and we are going to pray. But don't wait on me to give you a prayer guide. I think it's important, you in this church, you watching online, that we all make prayer a vital part of our day. And it needs to be in a place where um, you're able to really cry out to the Lord. What's the next thing Nehemiah did? Well, we see that Nehemiah repented. Uh, chapter 1, verse 6 through 7. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess, he's talking to the Lord, this is his prayer. Nehemiah says, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you, O God. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. You know what? We, you could take those very words and put it in your prayer life, and it fits the moment, doesn't it? It fits the moment. He repented of his sins. He confessed his sins. Not just confessed, but he's like, you know what? I'm not going that way. I'm repenting. I'm walking away. Church, right here, listening online, if you have sin in your life, if you want to brace yourself, you've got to repent of your sin. And you know what that sin is. That's between you and the Lord. You know what that sin is. You have got to come to grips with your sin. You have got to confess your sin before God. 
It's part of the strategy. Again, this isn't something I'm making up. It's straight from the Bible, from Nehemiah, who was living in the aftermath of idolatry, exactly where we are and where we're going. And it's just a strategy. We're just going to copy and paste from God's Word, which is actually a pretty good thing. Church, and those who maybe not have accepted Christ as Savior, you've got to repent of your sin. We all need to. We need to fall on our face before God. So we've got to fast and pray. We've got to repent. Then Nehemiah reminded God of his promises. And this is in, again, chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, the next couple of verses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Now, you may say, well, Frank, we're not really exiled. Our country is not really exiled. You know, as our country is not really collectively bowed down to idolatry. You may think that. I, I would actually disagree with that. But we are not in, in exile. But can I tell you, there are people living their life right now exiled in their sin. They're exiled in their sin. They're removed far from the blessings of God because their sin have, has gotten them exiled. They're not in their home country flourishing. They're not where they need to be. And so because of that, if you know someone who is exiled in their sin, then you need to tell them, look, God said this. If you are exiled in your sin... God said this, but if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if you are exiled, I'm bringing you back home. I'm bringing you back home. That's promises of God. Because you know what? Listening online, there are probably some people there, maybe here in this room, you're thinking, I'm so far from God, there's no way that I can make it back. There's no way he's going to accept me back. I'm exiled, and that's it. No. You're wrong. You're wrong. You can come back home. God desires that. Return to the Lord, obey his commands. That's what it takes. That's what it takes. Don't try to get your life perfect and life right before you do that. Return to him all nasty and dirty from being in the pig pen, exiled in a distant country. So during this time, we want to remind God of his promises. God, you said you would accept us. You would bring us to the place. You would bring us to your dwelling of your name if we return to you. Oh God, please hear our prayer. So when you fast and pray and when you repent and you confess of your sins, remind God, 
God, and all this is going to be in the prayer guide, but even before you get that, remind God, God, you said if we just return to you and obey our commands. Lord, I've got members in my family who are not really following you. I've got people at work there that are not following you. I've got people, you know, in my neighborhood that are not really following you. And so please, I pray for them as a family, oh God, let us repent, let us follow after you. And let us obey your commands. You promise, oh God. Hold on to that promise. So fast and pray, repent, remind God of his promises. The fourth thing. There's only five, so there's only two more. The four things. Fourth thing. Rally people to rebuild. We see this in the next chapter. Verse 2. I'm sorry, verse 17. Chapter 2, verse 17. Then I said to them, to the people, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. So we want to rally the people to rebuild. We want to encourage one another to rebuild the walls. I'm not talking about a physical wall. The walls that's going to protect us and it's going to give people stability and people can come in and to fellowship with believers and grow in their walk with Christ and draw closer to the Lord. We've got to encourage one another to be involved in, in, in small group and discipleship. We want to help people to understand that you are not in this alone, that we are doing this together. We want to encourage to rebuild. We want to rally people. And then the last thing, number five, we want to ignore threats and take action. We want to ignore the threats and take action. Nehemiah, this is in chapter four, verse 14. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. When it says them, he's talking about those people who are around Jerusalem, who are not even Hebrews, they're not even Jews. They're, they're, they're people who are causing strife. So he said, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Ignore the threats and take action. Um, there's a lot of threats happening right now in our world. You look on social media, on the news, my goodness. It's nuts. It's chaos. And you may have gotten into maybe even some arguments online. Maybe have turned something that should be spiritual into more political and whatever. Maybe you're watching online and you're in that situation. But there's going to be, as we walk down this road, there's going to be more threats. There's going to be more threats made to the church. I guarantee it. If what we're seeing is true with some 
dreams that God has shown us, then we've got to brace ourselves for the threats that's coming. But we've got to ignore them. And we've got to take action. We've got to lead. We don't need to cower down. We've got to lead. Lead with love. Lead with the gospel. Tell people about Jesus. Tell people it's time to get right or get left. So the Nehemiah strategy... Fast and pray, repent, remind God of his promises, rally people to rebuild, ignore the threats, and take action. And all of this are things that are going to be put into something that I'm going to give you. Now, I did tell the, um, the band that later, as we close out the service, we're going to sing, but I'm actually changing my mind as we're kind of getting ready for that. I, I don't want to do that. I want us to close in just an attitude of prayer. And I do want to remind you of something that Jeremiah, the prophet, said, who was prophesying during the times of the exile. In fact, he wrote this to them. It's a letter. It's part of a letter. And you probably have heard this verse, but it's important for you to understand where this verse fits in. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. But here's where it continues. Then you will call on me. This is God talking. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. Another translation says, I will bring you back from captivity. Another translation says, I will restore your fortunes. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I banish you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. He wrote that, Jeremiah wrote that as a letter to those that were exiled when all this thing started. And that's a promise of God. So God does have great plans for us. But those plans, that scripture, is in the middle of chaos, in the middle of, of just people living the aftermath of idolatry. They're being exiled. So if you've had idolatry in your life, as we've had in our whole country, there is a price that's being paid, and I think we're paying for it. You could be paying for idolatry in your life that you've been living. Same with me as well. We've got to repent. We've got to pray. We've got to seek the Lord. We've got to rebuild together. All of those things that were part of the Nehemiah strategy. And we're going to be talking through more of that. 
over the next five weeks. But I do want to say this. As a church, not only will I be providing a a, a prayer guide starting August 12th, which is a Wednesday night, or just that week, because I know that not all of our small groups meet on Wednesday nights. There's lots that meet on Sundays and other days. So we are going to walk through a five-week study together as a church of Nehemiah and to see how he walked through this and what more we can learn from this. That starts in August. Now, here's what it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you a $5 book. You could buy one for yourself or you and your spouse can share one, whatever. But we are going to walk through this as a church. I want everyone, and even if you can't attend a small group, I want you to do it individually at least. So that's coming, and those books will be here next week. We don't start it next week. We start it next month. But we're getting ready to to walk together, to learn together, and to know what it means to brace yourself. Because something's coming. Something's coming. And we're going to figure out together what that looks like and what that means for us. Just every head bowed, every eye closed as we close out this service. Um, I I know I've shared probably something kind of weird. And for those who know me, I, I don't share this kind of stuff. But I felt like if I didn't share that I would not be obeying the Lord. And so as we sort of walk closer to these times, um, you may be thinking, well, Frank, I've got some unconfessed sin in my life. I encourage you right now just to confess that. You know what that sin is. Take this opportunity right now to confess that sin and just say, Lord, I want to walk away from that. That's called repenting. I want to walk away from that. That idolatry in my life. It's time. But Lord, I I need your strength. I need you to help me. And he will. Just return to him. Obey his commands. And you're sitting here today and you say, well, Frank, I've never even accepted Christ as Savior. You could do that right here, right now. You could say, Lord Jesus, I believe you're God's son. I believe you died on the cross for me. Please forgive me my sin. Please come and be Lord of my life and help me to live for you. Thank you for saving my soul. If you said a prayer similar to that, I would, I would love to know about it. You can send me an email, pastor at lakepointonline.com. Or you can go to our church website, call our church phone number. I would love to have a conversation with you. And if there are people here in this church, you just need help with that whole repenting thing. That's what I'm here for. Not just me, but we have people in our church that can help you, that can guide you. You don't want to do this alone. Heavenly Father, this is big stuff. First of all, Lord, thank you for speaking to us in this way. 
um, you have confirmed this message, and we accept it. And it's a hard pill to swallow, but we know you're going to give us the strength to move forward. Show us, Father, what it means to brace ourselves on a spiritual level, because that's really where it all counts. Lord, as we walk through in fasting and prayer together and repenting together and getting into God's word and walking through together, show us, Father, strengthen us and help us, Lord, to brace ourselves within the clefts of your rock. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.